0: On the 26th of February, 2012, a 17-year-old African-American was shot dead by George Zimmerman, uh, who was there as a community protection officer. The kid was innocent. He didn't deserve to die for any reason whatsoever at all. He did nothing. But George Zimmerman was acquitted of his death. And that started a, a campaign, a groundswell of opinion and force of community activism that caused three women... Patrice Cullors, Alicia Garza, and Opal Tometi to form Black Lives Matter. And that was founded in 2013. Since then, we've had many other black people die, completely innocent at the hands of the police and so-called protection officers. But Black Lives Matter touched me when I was watching CNN and... George Floyd basically was killed in front of the eyes of millions and hopefully billions of viewers around the world in eight minutes and 46 seconds, where his last words were called to his mom, and he stated that he couldn't breathe when a knee of the police officer, I'm not even going to mention his name, was on his neck. He was killed with cameras watching him, and the police officers stood by and partook and watched as an innocent man, was killed. And Black Lives Matter is now an organisation that is in everybody's mind. We've all heard about it. Anybody who's watched the news knows about it. I took a cycle to my uh, the city centre of Nottingham one evening, and there was a huge banner saying Black Lives Matter. There have been many, many black people that have been killed. But George Floyd brought this to everybody's attention. And I was so pissed off about George Floyd. I was so angry by George Floyd's murder. I was so upset that this is happening in 2020. And you know what I have to thank for this community, this groundswell of opinion, this international campaigns and marches and support for Black Lives Matter? I'm going to thank Donald Trump. I'm going to thank Donald Trump for the only time I'm ever going to thank Donald Trump because this man has brought us all together in his hate for equality, in his hate for people from different starting points in life than him, for his desire to pander to the right wing. He has galvanized support for humanity, equality, fairness, love and respect. So Donald Trump, I thank you for not giving a shit, because it's about time that the world stood together for people who do give a shit and care about the right things that humanity is all about. As an ethnic minority myself, as an Asian entrepreneur, Black Lives Matter is really important to me and I get the fact that black lives are different from Asian lives. The black community have suffered far worse, more horribly than Asians have. I grew up in a time when my father came to the UK with people from the Afro-Caribbean community. And I grew up with uh, second-generation kids from Afro-Caribbean backgrounds, and Indians, and Bangladeshis, you know, and we kind of like, we were all in the, the black community from a political perspective. But unfortunately, black people are still suffering. And I really feel that black lives are treated differently. So today, I've got a really interesting conversation with a fellow Asian entrepreneur an eloquent, intelligent, well-spoken gentleman. He's a bit younger than me, but he is charismatic. He understands the world. He's traveled to the States. He's seen what goes on there himself. And I think it's really important that us too talk about Black Lives Matter, looking at it from the outside, but actually appreciating what it means because we've suffered as well, but we suffered differently. So I'd like to introduce my guest today, Umesh Kumar. He is an international entrepreneurial speaker. He is a podcaster of Mesh with Big Ideas. He is a mentor at Rainmaking. He is a co-founder himself and currently working on the Twist Supper Club. He's the guy that taught me how to do PowerPoint presentations really well. We both have Nottingham as an important part of our life. I studied at Nottingham University. I live in Nottingham University. So, Amesh, really, really pleased to have you on board. Thank you for making time for me today. How are you keeping,
1: sir? Thank you so much for the uh, wonderful introduction. I am doing really well. All things considered, given the world that we're living in right now and that we're naturally going to touch on, uh, I'm very well. Happy, healthy, safe. Can't really complain.
0: You're looking well. He's looking very casual today. He's looking chilled out. And this is an interesting conversation, so thank you very much for joining
1: me on this one.
0: Tell me, what's your opinion of the Black Lives Matter crusade?
1: Yeah, I mean, where to start, really, I think. Tell me how it's touched you. Well, like you and many other people that saw, you know, some of the footage, the stories, the breaking news that had been, you know, trending around the world, I was horrified. The first feelings I had were just being appalled, feeling of shame. That that we're living in a world like this in you know 2020, and just discussed at uh, the whole situation right? how we can treat other people and other fellow human beings, and how we can have such little disregard for their life. So you know they were the immediate emotions that sprung to mind, and then my rational side came out and said, "This is very overwhelming. I need to take a step back. I need to." like many people, educate myself on how have we got to this step? What were the causes? What are the facts around this? And and the more I delved into it and the more I learned and the more I listened to other people, I guess the more appalled I was, really. So, yeah, it's unfortunately a, a really sad and, and terrible time that we're living in when it comes to, you know, black lives and, and equality and racism and injustice. But it's something that we need to talk about and we need to deal with. And I think we're making positive steps. Slowly, but we are making them.
0: I think that those comments are, are really important for us to acknowledge because it is so disgusting that people of colour, not necessarily darker, you know, it's not even colour, is it? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a dark. I'm, I'm quite dark Asian. You're not exactly light-skinned. It's not even colour. It's something ab- about, you know, when people see people that are different from them, it makes them behave in a different way. To treat people in a way that is less than themselves. Whereas for me, you know, I see if I see somebody that's, that maybe looks a bit different, it creates this curiosity and an interest. And not in a kind of condescending way, but there's something I'm going to learn from this person because they have a different background, they have a different outlook. And, you know, as an entirely, totally dyslexic person, I appreciate diversity in thought and in behavior because that's all I'm capable of doing, you know, As entrepreneurs, I think we need, I know we need, successful black entrepreneurs. And to remind you, listener, this is the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast, where I talk about how entrepreneurs go through the reality of the journey of being an entrepreneur, the ups and downs and the difficult bits. And and I'm a speaker and a a mentor and a coach on this subject. I I think we need that diversity. We need uh, diverse entrepreneurs, don't we, Amish? I mean, Great thing about having you here in all the work that you, you've you been a mentor since you were at school and then at university and then outside. So what's your experience of working with black entrepreneurs?
1: Well, I think it's first thing to say is entrepreneurship as a sector, as an industry, as a mindset is a lot better than the majority of industries out there. It is more forward thinking. It is more diverse. It does yes, breed a certain type of individual, but I think it transcends countries, borders, boundaries, backgrounds, race, sexual identity, and so forth, much better than many industries. It's not perfect, particularly the tech industry, which we can go into and and an area that I play in a lot, but I do think it's better. So actually from my point of view, being an entrepreneur, being a mentor, being a coach and, and having traveled around, I am seeing amazing entrepreneurs from all ages, all backgrounds. I've met some fantastic black entrepreneurs, young kids, you know, hustling at school, you know, selling pick a mix, you know, around the back or trying to get the new hottest sneakers and selling them to friends that, that kind of hustle mentality I think is there throughout the world. And I think, you know, these young black entrepreneurs are doing an amazing job. I do think, however, when we get to the point of scaling a business, raising funding, growing it from a hobby or a small scale micro business into a fully fledged startup or company or or SME. I think that's where we lose some people. And I think where I think black people will find it harder to raise funding, perhaps, than their white colleagues and peers.
0: I think we should go beyond May. I mean, I was speaking to a black entrepreneur, a friend of mine, who's actually coming on to a podcast soon. She is... She's a PhD. She's a fellow of this society. She's a fellow of that society. She's been on world-leading accelerators. She's got a proven technology. She's had grant funding from, you know, high-profile funders. But she has not raised the funding she needs. And you can see in her how fed up and tired she is. Whereas I've met some really fantastic Caucasian entrepreneurs that have, you know, got this great confidence about them that have got clarity in their plan, and very, very quickly, you know, within two to three months, six months, they've raised the funding without all of those proof points, without all of those uh, credibility pieces. And you know what? I've avoided being controversial in my entrepreneurial career. You know, not wanting to create a ruckus, uh, as Seth Godkin would say. I, you know, just kind of main, keep it mainstream. But I, I'm afraid that now is the time just to be honest about that and call it out. You and I have probably both been in front of enough investors and there's the panels full of white people, white, really well-spoken, educated people that have deserved their position, worked hard for it, and, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them. You know, when I go see investors, I I read about them before I go, so I know, and you think, you probably not had black friends or Asian friends or Chinese friends. You don't see what it takes for these kids to get to the point where you are as well. I mean, let's talk about level playing field. If you're a kid from inner city London or or Birmingham or you know Glasgow, for you to get to the point where you've got a proven prototype, you've got a lot more to do than somebody who's come from a you know a reasonable background, but has also put some work in there as well.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think, like you said, ninety five percent, ninety eight percent of major investors, private equity, venture capital, serious money, angel investors. They are white, they have privilege, they've worked very hard, not taking that away from them, but they have. But if we go back a little bit and look at some of the secrets of success, and you touched on upon it earlier, they're very eloquent, they're very intelligent. Well, they have those things because they had an upbringing that allowed them to do so. They had the freedom, the confidence, the nurturing to go out and be told that they can do whatever the hell they want in life. Uh, they've had amazing mentors often, um, stewardship along their journey from a young person into an adult. They've had opportunities to travel the world, to meet new people, to see how different things are done. They've had opportunities to play in sport, to do music, to become more well-rounded individuals. So when you combine the, that confidence piece, the, the living in safety and having a, a bubble and a protective support network around you, you have all of the freedom of opportunity to do whatever you want, you have good mentorship and stewardship, then of course, with good education and with some intelligence, you're going to go far. And I think what we need to do is we need to address some of those earlier things Otherwise, no matter how many bursaries we give to black people or people of color, to Oxford or Cambridge, if we're not addressing the fact that they still can't afford to go to those parties, or they feel like they don't have the clothes to fit in, or they don't have the right elocution in the way they talk, and therefore they stand out, if we don't address you know, the mentorship, the stewardship, the support network, and the confidence and the soft skills that they perhaps lack, we won't solve the problem. So I think it's a multifaceted area and a series of problems that we need to tackle.
0: And hopefully, you know, education and you know, diverse mentors like you, you, you and me, and many others that I see. And um, I work with NatWest Entrepreneurship Hub in Birmingham, and um, the lady that runs that, Pam Shima, is absolutely amazing. She's created this this group of entrepreneurs that are from all all sides of the, the region. And it, it, there's people like that that you know as well that don't see colour. They, they just see capability and they see potential and they, they ignore the fact that somebody isn't as well-spoken or as well-dressed or hasn't got the full pitch deck. You know, they haven't spent the money on the full financial plan. And we need people like that. But I, I think I'm advocating that we go beyond that. I'm advocating that we actually put people on a real equal footing in that we allow for the fact that somebody who hasn't got an amazing pitch deck, it doesn't mean they haven't got an amazing business plan. We allow for the fact that the financial forecast might not be perfect because they haven't been able to pay for a great accountant. We allow for the fact that their pitch may be a bit, you know, long or a bit messy or unclear. We allow for the fact that they may lack energy in the way they present. And we just focus on who they are. We actually take time to find out who they are and understand them because you know the story is when we meet investors who are they investing in what are they investing
1: in they're investing in us the individual it's often not the idea it's the individual
0: what does that mean
1: well from an investor standpoint they're looking at that individual and judging them on do i think this person is smart do i think that they have the vision the work ethic The experience, the confidence to take this business and scale it and grow it, and do I trust them? You know.
0: So let's look at trust. Yeah. So how do we define trust? And I have actually developed a model that teaches people how to assess trust. That's aside from this point. How does an investor assess the trust the person in front of them?
1: Unfortunately, how most people assess trust is based on what's put in front of them. So that could be how they dress, how they talk, how they walk, the quality of the pitch deck. It's the evidence that they can see in front of them, but the immediate face value evidence, not necessarily peeling back.
0: Exactly. And, and they're looking for familiarity. They're looking to see whether that person's style approach and presentation resonates with them. They're looking subconsciously of people that look like them yeah, and they can connect with. And it's very difficult for somebody from a privileged background to connect with somebody from an underprivileged background. I know because I come from a very humble background myself, and I probably speak more aggressively. I speak with much, much more confidence. I'm not trying to make the person in front of me seem smaller, but I know I've got to battle harder. So in the back of my mind, I've got to try harder. And, you know, I have some black friends. They look like they're on a hustle, you know, but... They come from really fucking tough backgrounds and they're going to be a bit defensive sometimes. And they know most people, when they first see them, are looking to differentiate themselves from them. They're like instantly saying, you're different. And they are trying to differentiate themselves from them. With somebody that is, looks similar, you're trying to connect with them. They seem like they're pushing back. So when they're in front of an investor, doing their best, showing their best face forward, presenting themselves as best they can, I think investors and that kind of ecosystem is not working hard enough. It's so much about performance and it shouldn't be about performance.
1: No, it shouldn't. You're right. And a phrase that I would like banned because I think it's been taken out of perhaps its original context and it's been shifted is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and i understand the logic behind that because it's like if you spend time with really high achieving driven ambitious entrepreneurial people you'll be just like them the problem with that is people have taken it to the point where okay so i need to go and hang out with those kinds of people and they all happen to be white oxbridge educated eton cambridge um, harrow you know bubble And they all are the same and they are elevated, but then you have a very one-dimensional group of friends. So I think that phrase is layered because actually what we're seeing now, and the the statistics are, are coming out, that if you have a more diverse board of both women and people of color, the company generally does better. If you have mixed group of founders, male, female, and also kind of different backgrounds as well, the company's more investable, you know, and should be more investable and should do better. Um, If you have a diverse workforce, they will generally be able to solve more problems. We're seeing these stats come out, but actually that phrase of um, you should be the average of the five people around you means that you should be aspiring to a certain group of people and they should all be the same, but better than you. Whereas I'm, advocating, well, you need to have a, what I call a brain trust, a little group of five to 10 people that are completely different to you. One could be an entrepreneur. One could be, you know, working in recruitment. Another person could be a teacher. They could have different backgrounds, different outlooks on life, different political spectrums, different kind of visions of life and, and, and what success means to them. And I think if you if you're surrounded by a really diverse group, you have great conversations, you have interesting dynamics. And ultimately, I think you ri- live a richer life. Because um, what we're seeing now in the political spectrum is conservatives versus labor and, you know, Democrats versus Republicans. And we're, we're basically vilifying people and, and pushing people what we think are two extremes. And I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Politics is, is blending and merging. Ideals are, Yes, there are outliers, but there are also commonalities as well. And I think what we need to do is we need to have more open dialogue. I think we need to actually be able to have discussions with people that we don't necessarily agree on their viewpoint, but have rational, honest discussions where we can understand their viewpoint and they can understand ours. Because at the moment, this back and forth rhetoric and this, I'm going to be dismissive of you and you're going to be dismissive of me is not working. It's broken. So I think that needs to change. I don't know if you agree.
0: I do agree. And I think that's been the hope of good politicians for, for centuries and good people for centuries. And I think the UK and Europe is actually quite a welcoming place by diversity. The level of racism in the UK compared to the United States is quite different in that black people in the United States are sometimes treated so bad they die. In the UK, black people are treated so badly that they are stopped and searched unnecessarily over and over and over again their careers are, are halted and thankfully the level of deaths is so much much smaller uh, than the United States and, but in the United States the level of success for diverse entrepreneurs is so much bigger and better. I think in the UK 7.9% of the population are entrepreneurs 14.9% of them are I think, minorities out of which Asians the most and, and blacks are the least. In the United States the level of diversity in the entrepreneurial sector is about the same. Blacks and Asians are about the same, and Hispanics are a little bit less. So the land of the free is actually is freer if you want to be an entrepreneur, whereas in the u k it's not as free and, and I see that in that i don 't see as many black entrepreneurs as Asian entrepreneurs. You go to a network event to entrepreneurs you 're going to see Asians and it's amazing to see. You know, motivated people doing well. And I miss seeing more black faces because their perspective is different, as is Asians and as is whites. And the collaborative conversations we get when we meet is fascinating. So, what what are you going to do to support the black entrepreneurial community as a member of the entrepreneurial community?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's something that I've been giving a lot of thought on. But just before one thing I really wanted to touch on, I think you're right, it is the land of the free in the US. And I think your point about the UK is interesting. I like to call it the land of the complicated, because there's a lot more nuance in the UK. Like you said, it's not as obvious as, you know, guns and and being, you know, shot at and, and killed. But there's nuance in the workplace and, and people being held back or not getting that job because of, you know, their colour or their background or what school they went to. So in a way, it's not necessarily worse, but more nuanced and more complicated because it's harder to to root out the systemic racism and inequality because it's so embedded in in the workflow, in unconscious bias and so forth. So That's something I think that we need to change in the UK. will take time. In terms of myself, well, I was having a chat with a few friends not too long ago, and, and I went on a bit of a rant. And I said, for me, the biggest challenge right now is that we are having huge funding cuts and we had huge austerity measures in place over the last whatever five to to 10 years right and education has been you know unfortunately stripped of a lot of funding youth centers have closed down community support local kind of care workers and youth workers have just not got the support they needed so i think on that regard what we need to do is we need to invest more in our local communities we need to get people young people the streets. We need to encourage them to have safe spaces that they can go to, so they're not hanging around in gangs or, or getting into trouble or, or just doing stupid things and getting drunk in the park and creating this antisocial behaviour that we're seeing a lot more of. Uh, you know, antisocial behaviour disorders have gone through the roof, etc.
0: That's the thing for all youth, though, isn't it? that's not specifically for the black community.
1: No, it's not. But it comes back to the point of you know, well, if I'm a white person that comes from a home where I have an Xbox and I have a big garden and I have my family that can drive me to places and I have more freedom and more opportunity to do things, I'm not bored. And I'm not looking to cause mischief. And I'm not just, you know, looking to hang out with friends. And, and also, I'm not looking to get drawn into something that I shouldn't be, because there's that allure of it, because it's something better. And often, unfortunately, that's what gangs, if you watch a lot of documentaries, and I've spoken to a few people in, who have been in gangs, have been approached by gangs, and they've said is, there's, there's a sense of belonging, there's a sense of opportunity, there's a sense of being part of a family that I don't have. And that's what
0: can I touch on that point? Hmm.
1: Who are the black entrepreneurs
0: that young black entrepreneurs are going to look for, to in, for inspiration? Where are they? You know, if you look for successful black people, they're mainly in sport, fantastic, amazing. But who are the famous black entrepreneurs? I mean, there are some very, very few of them. And it's great to see the music industry. Where's the black tech entrepreneurs that are out there that are, you know, shouting out and saying, you know, I, I did it, so can you. Richard Branson is the obvious answer for most entrepreneurs. You know, I'm inspired by Richard Branson. I'm not inspired by Richard Branson very much because, you know, he doesn't do anything for me. I don't connect with him. His story resonates with me. If I'm a young black man, who am I looking to? I
1: I think in the States, you're looking at some of those people in the music industry that have now transitioned more into entrepreneurship. I'm You know, the likes of uh, Sean Coombs, P Diddy, Jay-Z, already? Yeah. Like these guys have made more money as business moguls than they have as music moguls. You know, they've created empires. Uh, Look at Kanye West. Whatever you want to say about his political ideas and how crazy he is at times, he's made an extremely lucrative billion dollar business out of his Yeezy brand and all of his his other uh, business opportunities. So I think there are people like that, multi-millionaires and, you know, billionaire black entrepreneurs that have worked really hard and have used their initial fame and skyrocketed. I definitely know in the UK of some people that I know in my network, they haven't got hit the levels of success yet, but they're working on it and they're growing and they are young, ambitious, driven black entrepreneurs doing their bit and i think it will take time i think it comes back to we need to fund them we need to grow them i think i was reading the uh, an interesting article the other day and it said we've just broken our first 50 billion dollar market cap european startup um which was spotify and if you speak to maybe five six years ago if you spoke to any of the us investors they'll be like europe will never have those mega, mega unicorn companies because Europeans and and British companies just don't grow to the same level as in the US or in China. Well, we've dispelled that myth now. So I think it will take time, but I know people are doing that. I think in all honesty, I don't think young people should be looking at just black entrepreneurs for success in life. I think they should be looking at black people and people of color in general that are doing really, really well. So for example, um, someone who I know very well is Lord Michael Hastings, one of the first black, you know, in the House of Lords as an independent as well for, for neither party. He was head of citizenship at KPMG. He's now the chancellor at Regents College. He was on the racial equality panel in the UK. He's been a kind of a trustee for UNICEF. He's an example of a black man who's been very, very successful and worked really hard. And there are countless other examples of fantastic black people in whatever career they're doing and doing really well. I think the other thing is going back to Obama. And I know that's in the States, you know, what Obama and the first lady showed us was that if I'm a young black man or woman in America or anywhere in the world, can I be president of the United States? The answer is yes, you can. Now we did ride that amazing bell curve for a period. And I think we've obviously lost a lot of momentum and you, you do credit Trump with that. And I, I do agree with you. There's a lot to be said for that, but also I think it's also important to recognize Trump success is part of a wider systemic problem that has really bubbled to the surface again and allowed him to get to that point. So um, for me, to any young black person out there that wants to be an entrepreneur or who's looking for success, I would go back to looking at people side of the entrepreneurial sector, because I think they all have a commonality of traits. They worked hard. They were relentless. They never gave up. They had thick skin. And unfortunately, you need that right now. They ha- took those racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever it may be, attacks that they've had, and it hardened them and it made them work twice as hard. Now, I agree, people should not have had to go through that. But if you ask a lot of those successful people, they said, actually, it helped us take us to the next level. So resilience, mental toughness. I talked about that on my podcast uh, recently with a lady called Emma Jackson, who's a life coach. These skills are what's needed. So rather than looking at a certain individual for aspiration, you've got to look within as well. How do I mentally steel myself? How do I toughen up? How do I become a better version of myself? Because not everyone's going to help me and, and hold my hand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They are fantastic points and you make them eloquently. And I think picking up on the last point, I think it's it's also about seeking help and actually finding those mentors because if the mentor is somebody that you've never met and you can seek, find inspiration from the way they behave and the way they operate, that's amazing. And I have lots of mentors in the virtual sense that I, I look to for inspiration. And I think as a mentor, we both are mentors. I think we help people who are going through the journey shortcut, and, you know, jump through time with our own experiences. And I think we successful people, we motivated individuals, those with experience, need to be available to mentor entrepreneurs that can be, you know, have a spark about them, that have um, a desire to, to grow and develop. And uh, I think for me, the most exciting mentees are the ones that are actually motivated already. And just needed some guidance and support and some ruddering rather than those that are unmotivated. But what could we do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do to make a difference?
1: The three things I'm doing at the moment is like everyone else, I'm educating myself. I'm donating money, time, energy, and leveraging small social influence that I have on my social media platforms to put the right messages out so we don't lose momentum and donating to the right causes, whether it be Black Lives Matter or Black Equity or Black Minds Matter UK. There's a bunch of organizations doing amazing work and there are fantastic articles and resources out there. So that's one thing I'm doing. The second thing is similar to what we're doing now, having more dialogues and conversations with other people and raising the profile and having these debates, I think is really, really important and needs to be more of them happening. And then the other thing is, well, what can I practically do other than mentoring and supporting people? And so I kind of touched on it earlier. I believe that youth centers are critical. I think having a space where people can drop in and hang out, interact with people, play games, learn new skills, uh, have conversations with like-minded individuals, but also people from different backgrounds is needed. And I think with the, frankly, the death of the high street, the obliteration of funding um, to a lot of these really core educational and community assets. Now more than ever, we need that. So I've been working with some friends to look into what would a new type of youth center look like for the modern next 20, 50 years? What would it entail? How will that transcend the boundary of in-person, virtual technology, but also the touch base of, you know, you need help, you need support, mental health, just a safe space for people to talk to and, and get away from. So It's in the early stages. And again, if anyone wants to get involved, more than happy to have a dialogue and discussion, but it's really a, an initial kind of, what does a new youth center look like? How can we build them? How can we create them fast, cheap, effectively, and scalable across the UK? And can that be used as a model that other countries replicate? Because I think that's what we need. We are humans. We need connection. We need touch. We need feel. And that's why lockdown has been hard for many people because we haven't had that. And I think going forward, in order to have true dialogue, in order to have true change, we need to be together. If you look at all those rallies, those rallies only work when you have large groups of people coming together in close proximity, shouting and talking in unison. So we need that kind of forum and that framework and and almost that building to bring those people together. So for me, that's that's one of the projects that I'm working on and I'm really, really passionate about. But yeah, it's a case of educating myself and, and listening and learning, having more dialogues with people and conversing and, and talking about these topics and giving it a voice and then doing something and, and creating something that I think could be really meaningful and really powerful. They're fantastic things you're doing, Imersh and I wish you every success in doing that. I'm going to leave your, your contact
0: details at the show notes. So if people want to get in touch with you and find out more, I encourage them to do so because these are the kinds of, it can't just be the talk. We can't just be the campaigns. The volume is there and now we need the positive action, pulling down old uh, statues of people that we should no longer celebrate and maybe we shouldn't celebrate them at all but we need a better future for ourselves now. So things like that will make it a better future. I, for myself, I'm open and welcome. If you're a, a black entrepreneur and you need some support and guidance, please get in touch, talk to me. I'll do anything I can through mentorship and coaching to help you on your journey at no cost at all. I am the sponsor of the Entrepreneurs' Trust. I fund it myself. So, uh I would like to do that, especially if they're going through uh, the challenges of COVID as well. It's been a fascinating discussion. And I think you know, these are the discussions that perhaps we've shied away from as, as ethnic minorities. We haven't wanted to talk about our ethnicity because we live in the United Kingdom and it is multicultural. It is diverse, but we want to be mainstream. We don't play on our ethnicity You know, we don't talk about the quarry that we had last week or yesterday. We talk about what we're working on, don't Mm -hmm. we? Exactly. Uh, What Black Lives Matter has given me is license to to call out racism when I see it and to challenge those behaviors that have been illogical. Whereas in the past, I've had some strange treatment, but I have thought to do nothing about them. But I'm letting the world know that I'm not going to accept that rubbish anymore. And if I see that my children or some friends whatever color they are i'll be calling it out and i think it's time now that we call out racist behavior illogical behavior odd behavior odd questioning and i think it's time that we give people the, the support they need to actually progress in life so it's great to know that you're you're out there tell me about this podcast i've listened to it and it's fascinating and you know it's quite motivating to listen to it so what was the idea behind your podcast
1: yeah, no, absolutely. So you got all the words right in the intro, but it was Big Ideas with Mesh is the podcast. Big Ideas with Mesh. And it's all around stories and interviews with visionaries, pioneers, and, and people who challenge the status quo. So those kind of dreamers, people who are thinking big in any sector, they don't have to be entrepreneurs. They could be in healthcare. They could be life coaching. They could be building communities. Um, they could be in sport but they're doing interesting things. They are creating their little corner of the world and making it a little bit better. And we're shining a light on their story, their background, their upbringing, and ultimately their vision of where the industry or where the world is going in the next 10, 15, 20 years. So it's been a fascinating journey. I've only recently started it. But for me, I just wanted to leverage the network that I did have already and further develop it by just understanding, you know, some of the amazing things that humans are doing, the good things, but also calling out some of the bad challenges that we're having in the world today and how can we overcome them and what can we do as individuals, but what we can do collectively. And so that's really where the podcast came from it was a personal experiment that has been a really fun journey so far
0: as an experiment it's working so far i've listened to two i like your style i like the content i like the flow and there's also a learning as well you know i love listening to things that i'm going to learn from so i definitely recommend big ideas with mesh as a podcast that's both entertaining and something i can learn from so i'm going to include the the link to that podcast in the show notes and I'm going to say thank you very much for listening to, to the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast with Humesh Kamal from Big Ideas with Mesh. It's been a journey in getting to this. And I've got some conversations with, with Black entrepreneurs and we're going to talk about the journeys they've gone through and their growth and also how Black Lives Matter has been of use or not to them, as we'll find out. So what's the future hold? To, what's the next few months like uh, for Humesh?
1: Well, oh, that's a good question. I'm normally on the other side of the questions, but um, I think for me, it's, so I'm working on a, on a few projects in terms of obviously the podcast, continuing to interview people every Wednesday, and I've got a, probably a backlog of about 130 guests, so I'm going to be busy. So that's exciting. I'm obviously the co-founder of Twist Supper Clubs. This is an online membership network and a supper club business that we pivoted because of COVID to virtual, and we've done five virtual events, and it's bringing people from around the world together and creating deep, meaningful conversations and, and what we call purposeful discomfort, you know, building that human connection, but also getting them out of their comfort zone. So that's been a a really interesting project for me. And then I've also been doing a lot of uh, freelance innovation consulting. That's my background. That's my bread and butter, working with startups, trying to navigate this COVID world, working with big brands and helping them with their messaging, their future, investing in companies and and being forward thinking and pioneering, which really ties in with the podcast.
0: And, And you have a great way of just getting to the point, cutting out a lot of the rubbish. I still remember the lessons you gave me in in how to present my PowerPoint. If you're an entrepreneur and you're on the innovation to commercialization journey, I definitely recommend look up Kamesh and have a conversation with you because, uh, you know, despite your youth, you have a huge amount of experience. And so
1: um, you're a man worthy of time spent with. I really appreciate that. And also I have to say, you know, thank you to you because... You gave me my first internship at university um, back in the day when I was there and I learned a lot from you as well. And again, it comes back to our earlier point of having good mentors and having smart people around you that, that you can learn from. I was fortunate enough to meet you back then when I was 18 years old and, and didn't have a clue about the world. And we've obviously stayed in touch since, mm-hmm. but actually it comes back to if you surround yourself with good people and you're constantly learning, then yes, you will have success in life. So um, thank you to you for all of your guidance and support and everything you do.
0: It's my pleasure. What a great way to stay in touch. You know, the, the circle has kind of uh, formed a, a loop, and, a, and the next one will form after this one. So I'm going to say thank you to Amesh. Thank you to my listener for joining us on this conversation. And I look forward to seeing you at the next Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. Bye bye.